0: Joe, where are you? I'm in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio, where it is freezing
1: rain right now, and we're finally
0: getting our first taste of winter.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I will tell you, Los- this is the time that the Tourist Board of Los Angeles takes pictures because it's one of those days where it's 71 degrees, bright sunshine, beautiful... Beautiful and it's like this all week. This is this is why you live in Southern California is weeks like this. Well,
0: oh, I feel so much better now that you're telling me this.
1: Yeah. I you know, this is this is what this is my goal, right? Is to make you feel really horrible for living in the place that you live in.
0: <laughs> well, we haven't talked since I mean, I got to see you recently, which was super fun. Yeah. Uh, we went to see the office parody. Which
1: was totally which fun. Was
0: the whole that's what she said portion was that's right. a riot to go through yep. that, but I haven't talked to you about the Super Bowl. Did you, have I know, a, did you have a take? Did you have, did you, did I, your, I know your ha- team, I know your team won. Yeah, they did.
1: I mean, well, it's not my team, but it's the team that I wanted to win when, I mean, really there are only two teams that I, I truly really have a, a strong hate for and that's the new England Patriots. And of course the San Francisco 49ers. So um Yeah. They, so it was basically anybody but the 49ers. But this year in particular, I think Andy Reid is such an amazing, wonderful coach and has just been unbelievably, you know, he's just a great person as well. So to see him get a ring after, you know, two, I think this was his 222nd win, um, which was kind of cool for him to get it on Super Bowl uh, Sunday on 222 on two
0: two, 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 on yeah. two, two twenty.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Fantastic. Yeah, and you know the Chiefs to to do to break their fifty-year drought of a Super Bowl was really cool, and yeah, it was just it was real, and it, and it was a great game. It was just a great game all the way around. I, I you know, I, I appreciated the game that it was never a blowout. It was always sort of tense and fun, and and yeah, it was just a. I, I thought it was a really cool game.
0: I I was impressed by Pat Mahomes, especially since he had probably one of his worst games of the year and still came through and won that ball game.
1: I, yeah. I mean, because
0: he, he can be, yeah, kid he is can, incredible. yeah, he can play terribly and he's still, you know, better than 99% of the quarterbacks out there.
1: It's, oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, that run in from the, whatever it was, the four yard line or whatever, when he did the juke on the guy, I mean, it was just, I mean, that's just, it, you, you can't, Teach that. Right. I mean, that's just like that's playground instincts coming through. And it was just it was wonderful. It was great.
0: And is there anything else going on in the news this week? I, I well, I don't uh, know.
1: Something about somebody getting something or <laughs> other. And I don't know. Whatever. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's about Maybe all. You, that's about all you can say. I don't think we should. You know, this is a marketing show. I don't think we need <laughs> well, to comment on governmental affairs in any way. <laughs>
1: That That's probably a safe bet, my friend. So with that, should we get on with the show? I feel we should. All right.
0: And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, P&R, with this old marketing. Take it away, boys.
1: Hello my friends this is Robert Rose and welcome to episode number 227 of PNR's This Old Marketing recorded Thursday February 6th 2020 and with me my good friend my colleague and the guy who would never tear up my speech Mr Joe Polizzi how are you my friend
0: <laughs> You know I didn't see, I didn't see the whole tearing of the I didn't watch any of it I didn't see any of the news clips but I did hear that there was some that somebody's speech was torn up by somebody
1: it was else. pretty epic yeah it was pretty epic yeah she, she tore it up yeah the speaker of the house nancy pelosi's tore up uh tore up his speech in the background and um uh at the end of it and my my i think my favorite bit is when she's walking out and they asked her you know why did you tear it up she said because it's the courteous thing to do <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's such a great line. Yes, it's a great, it's so, it's so subtle, but so great. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, independent of your politics, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was pretty good troll.
0: Most Yeah, she's, she's gotten a lot of heat for that as well from, I think I saw some, something in the news today about uh, somebody is filing a lawsuit against her for doing that. So another senator, a Republican senator, or something like that. So
1: well, that's that's yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. So
0: yeah, so you gotta love the way the band played on, right? I mean,
1: you know what I mean? It's like it's at this point you just sort of you're at this point you just sort of have to sit back and go, you know, bring on the dancing monkeys because you know it's like what what are you gonna do?
0: Well, and Mitt Mitt Romney seems to be. I mean, if you if you believe that he's going to run in the future at some point again. Uh, he sort of staked his claim to that on the yep. Republican side, so that yep. you know, as, a, as more of a moderate. So we'll we'll see how that happens. I was just saying, this is episode two two seven, right? Wasn't there a Jefferson spinoff called two two seven? Or
1: I think it was Apartment two two seven. I or think some, it was. something yeah. like that. Yeah. So so that's that's something. That is that is the weirdest way <laughs> it's possibly the history of podcasting right there, <laughs> going from the State of the Union speech to. An 80s sitcom, I, I, you know. I, I suppose that, in a, in a weird way, this this whole episode of 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 the government is brought to you by 80s sitcoms.
0: It makes perfect sense that we go yeah. that direction. Now I just have to find out for next time what two two eight does, <laughs> if anything. <laughs> so,
1: all right, shall we move to the top of our?
0: Yeah, top? we probably should. And I know you yeah. pulled out some uh, some. Of course, we've got to talk a little bit of Super Bowl. So, what'd of you find? Of course.
1: Yeah, well, we'll now get to the top of our show, of course, which is the segment where Joe and I talk a little bit about something that gets to the theme or whatever we're going to be talking about for the rest of the show. And, of course, the big story, um, other than speeches getting torn up uh, this last week, was, of course, the Super Bowl and the commercials, um, of course. And, in fact, you know, it was funny, Joe, I learned something. Um, I don't have TiVo, but a friend of mine has TiVo. And TiVo actually has a feature. um, It it was a special feature they put forward for the Super Bowl that recorded just the halftime show and the commercials and skips the game. What? (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) Yeah, it's a special thing that basically all they do is they skip the the game and basically only record the commercials and the halftime show, which, you know. And so my friend, who uh, is not into football at all, she said to me, do you have you ever heard of this? And I said, No, I've never heard of that. And she did it, and she goes, "It's great. I got to watch all the commercials and the halftime show, and I skipped all the boring parts, which of course was the, was, game. It was it was, the
0: game part." Yeah, I wonder how many people actually took advantage of
1: that little targeting. I think probably all four people who have TiVo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was that's the first thing I was going to ask you. Like, is TiVo still a thing? Yeah, right. I mean, I mean you, yeah. It's. I'm sure there's you know, there's got to be you know at least a couple thousand people out there that have
1: it. I, mean, I a couple, I think. Yeah, the, I think it is. I think it's my friend and a couple in uh, in, in, uh, uh, in in Rochester, New York. Is are the, are the <laughs> Rochester,
0: have? Rochester, New York. Oh my God! <laughs> so, uh, so do you have an article to pull from, or do you want to just I go do. through some no, of these I commercials? I do actually.
1: The article yeah. that we'll pull from, which is a great one, by the way, um, uh, because it basically is every commercial that ran on one page uh, which is just wonderful so it comes to us courtesy of adage.com here here comes adage actually putting something useful out Um, surprise surprise Um, and the article opens up by saying just like that the super bowl is over blink and you missed it but those ads will live on forever in the internet amber Um, somebody's very proud of their wordplay there i'm sure dreading your monday you could spend the next hour or so reliving your favorite spots um, and, uh, seeing all of them and then they list every single one of them and they're all on one page. There's no carousel to go through. It's actually a really nice way to go through all the commercials. And so it's a nice resource for you there. But, um, I thought we might talk about who we thought the winners and losers were, um, from our own opinions. What, what did you think? Did you, did you have any like big winners?
0: I have my list of winners here and I will see how close we, we compare Yeah. Yeah, we did um, not even compare notes before. We the did show. not even compare notes. This is all this is all live. This is all you know. <laughs> this yeah. has been guarded by Arthur Anderson. <laughs> That's <correct. laughs> Okay. Uh, I have my list. So here's here's my list of the ones that I liked. I, I of course I like the smot park by Hyundai,
1: uh, Hyundai. Okay, we're already off to a bad okay. start. So go ahead.
0: I I, like I liked gun. it. I liked it yeah. because two reasons. First of all, I thought it was funny. Second second thing is um you actually saw the car I mean they actually it was sort of useful so you actually saw what the car did so I, it's probably beneficial to them we'll see if it ends up in any sale so that's the one
1: yeah
0: how could I mean I'm a huge Bill Murray fan I love the movie Groundhog Day had to go in on the, the Jeep ad just 100%. I thought it was that they brought back all the you know the few of the original actors for that probably the original Groundhog too uh so that was great totally in love with that the one that most everyone that I know talked about, shared was the Loretta ad from Google. Oh yeah, seemed that's, to be the yeah. one. And if you, yeah. for those of that's you that don't, one. That's, that's your that's number one. Number. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, were they? And that you know, who doesn't have family that that going through memory issues, or you have older parents, or maybe you're older yourself? That whole thing just seemed incredibly relevant to human beings. So, Which is basically Google's audience, everyone on the face of the earth. So very relatable. Um, Love that one. And I know this is a little bit of a mixed one. I wish they would have done it differently, but I did like the Facebook groups one. I think it was Facebook's first Super Bowl ad. I liked what they did. I didn't think the celebrities, uh, you know, Sly Stallone or Chris Rock made it better. Yeah, I, I wish they would have had them out of it. But the fact that they were going through all these weird groups—if you were into something specific—I think that that after watching that ad, you would say, "Oh, maybe you know, I should have my communications with my group on a Facebook group," which has taken you know, if you you remember, we used to talk about how powerful LinkedIn groups were, yeah, and now that that all has moved to Facebook, so it seems like everybody's focusing on on the Facebook group. So let. That's my. I have some bad ones too that I didn't like, and I know I already mentioned one of yours, but with without some overlap, what what do you uh, or with overlap, I guess you like the Jeep the, one, Loretta? The what else? Yeah, the winners
1: yeah. one. So yeah, for so so yeah, I, the on the Facebook thing, yeah, I I I wished I I liked the 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 uh, oh. the idea, and I just think they either chickened out or didn't I, I don't think they went weird enough you know what i mean i think they should have gone you know they should have leaned into the weirdness of the groups and then found celebrities even b level celebrities that were sort of interested in that thing right um, you know for not completely off topic but there's a uh, there's a mcdonald's commercial running right now that i think is really effective where they basically have snapshots of celebrities favorite mcdonald's meals
0: Oh, I like that. I did like that one. It's yeah. a
1: really cool one. I I, I really like that too. And I thought they could have gone kind of gone that way with it, um, but uh, but yeah, I think the celebrity sort of distracted from it anyway. So my my winners were uh, the Google ad for sure, number one. I mean, and one because it came from Google. I mean, they have been so ham-fisted with the way they've done creative over the last decade. To see them do something this wonderful, um, it reminds me a little bit of the. The story they told through search uh, a few years ago, where the the guy does the search for how to say "I love you" in French, cause yep. he's going to Paris and all that. Mm-hmm. It's a it was really good. So I but this one would even touch the heartstrings even even more. The Jeep one, of course, Bill Murray, them bringing back just about everybody from the original cast. I mean, which was fantastic. Um, and just letting Bill Murray be Bill Murray and sort of, you know, making it a, a fun little ride there. Um, I also really loved the Microsoft ad, the Katie Sowers uh, football. She's with the 49
0: Oh, that's yeah. That's been running for a while, which I, I didn't even consider it a Super Bowl yep. ad. But yeah, you're yep. right. That's, that's fantastic a fantastic that really, Great story. That was
1: a really, really good one, too. Yeah. I really liked the way that they told that story. So those were my, those were my big winners. How about your losers? What did what did you think on the the losing side?
0: The the losing one, and I don't know why, but I cannot stand the Mountain Dew shining ad. I it's just I just stupid. can't. Yeah, it's, just I, it's stupid. It's stupid, and I it's annoying. It yeah. was just it's totally. And I know they've been running that one, you know, a couple weeks before the Super Bowl as well. And so I'd seen it before, and I'm like, are, are that that's a Super Bowl ad. I mean, that's that's the that's the best you get. Even though I love Brian Cranston, I. Yeah, you know, just couldn't couldn't go for that one. Do you do you remember the Hard Rock Hotel one? Oh yeah. Oh, what yeah, the
1: what so. was what was that, that one? Was middle of the road. That was like not even worse for me. That was like just it was just so average to me. Yeah,
0: I, I was I I guess what I, I and I and I do like uh, what Hard Rock does, but I was like, are you even trying?
1: Are you, right. are you,
0: are you, this is really expensive. This ad is five and a half million
1: dollars. Oh, easily. And With all those celebrities in there and oh, so the cameos geez. and then trash in the place. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. But I'll tell you the one. So
0: this is the one that I didn't like at first and now it's totally growing on me. Uh-oh. Is the, is the Snickers ad.
1: The Snicker. Oh, you know what? I didn't see that one. Oh my God!
0: I, at first, I was like, "This is this. This is this." I don't get it. Basically, the whole idea behind it is the world is so screwed up. So they're going through a whole bunch of examples of people saying why the world is so screwed up. So what they did was they dug a huge hole in the earth, and they were going to feed it a, a giant Snickers bar. <laughs> and so they drop, they drop the giant Snickers bar into the earth, and I'm like, I don't know if I get that, but right at the end is when they got me. And I forgot the name of the actor. He's a Hispanic actor. You'd know him if you saw him. Um, for there were it was right at the end, and there were these two supposed to be like Instagram stars that are taking selfies and recording themselves, and they're right next to the hole, and they. They basically tripped, or I don't know if the guy pushed them, or they tripped into the hole into the Snickers hole, yeah. and the guy comes out and says, "Hey, the Snickers hole's already working," because they they <laughs> basically dropped to their death, yeah. <laughs> in the Snickers hole. So you have nice. to you have to watch that one and let me know.
1: I will what definitely you think watch that, that like. one. That sounds like one I would like for sure.
0: So what are so what are some of the ones that you just um, thought were horrible? My
1: losers are one the uh, the Olay uh, space for women ad. Which I thought was just That's the Katie not. Couric one, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I I just didn't think it was very good. I I, I, I I was like I see what you're trying to do there, but it's just it it it's neither memorable nor really making space for anybody, right? Um so I didn't love that one for sort of the way that they executed it. Um the baby peanut. The baby, you know.
0: Yeah, the, the, didn't the, didn't didn't enjoy that one either. And I, I was just like,
1: you. you know, okay, yeah, baby Yoda. I get which I see what you're doing there. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, let's let's take advantage of something that everybody thinks is cute and make you know, but you know, it's uh, yeah, it just didn't it just didn't work at all for me. Um, the Tom Brady ad was just made me mad. Um, well, you don't just, like
0: Tom. Bra- I mean, it was no, no, a bad no, no, commercial. No
1: no, 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 no. To be clear, I I, t- I think Tom Brady is literally and and maybe definitively the best quarterback of the NFL that has ever lived and you know I know there's plenty of debates on that but but the idea is is that you know the whole conceit of the commercial is that he's going to come out and announce his retirement and then of course it's an ad for Hulu and which is just it was just it's just annoying it's just you know it's like Because you know that's exactly what's coming, right? There's no surprise there that, you know, like that he's going to actually announce his retirement on a Super Bowl ad. I mean, that's just, that would be silly. Um, And so you know it's going to be annoying. And then when it's not cute, in other words, there's nothing to it other than him going, and by the way, Hulu now has something more than live sports. They've got, you know, movies and all sorts of things. You're just like, "Uh, uh, so, okay. Thanks Tom, right? <laughs> for nothing. It just there's nothing that tied those two concepts together. No, but anyway, the man so.
0: was impeccably
1: dressed. He was he's a he, let's just be clear, he's a beautiful man. He is, <laughs> there is there is he is a beautiful it is really really not hard to be Tom Brady, I guess. We I
0: hate yeah, we yeah, hate him. Yeah. I I don't yeah. hate him for any other reason. He's just a he's got a great
1: head of hair on him. Oh, it's just, it's just really annoying. annoying. I know. Um it's and then crazy. my biggest loser, the biggest one of all, which this is something I've almost brought up on a rant on the on the show recently. And, may, and it may indeed come up again as it gets ready for launch was the Quibi, the, the Quibi ad, which is perhaps the, the amount because I happen to be a little inside baseball. And I know how much money they have taken in terms of what they're spending on promotion for launching this new service. Um, and if you're going, what the hell is Quibi? Exactly is the point. Um, what is it? What a,
0: is it? I mean, what I I saw the commercial. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, what what a, do they do? It
1: is it is a new service that's going to be launched um, in April, early April, and it's basically 10 minute uh, original programming. So it's like snackable. Oh, snackable um, stuff. You know, so it's, stuff. it's like it's Only like available TikTok on mobile. TikTok yeah. Plus. But yeah, but it's not even a social network. It's j- literally just an original content. It's like Netflix, right? So think of it like Netflix, but only showing ten minute shows on mobile, and Netflix um, for ADD. is what you're right. telling? Right, and it's and basically you know it's so it's headed up by the uh, Meg Whitman um, and I think Jeffrey Katzenberg, um, and they have put and I'm not even joking billions. I mean they have taken billions in funding, um, and for that to be their sort of debut commercial was like okay n- n- no <laughs> that's a capital no um uh, yeah i think it's i i if this is what we have promised to come is it, not gonna it doesn't bode well for the launch for sure
0: all in all your ratings of the better than last year
1: decent. Blah, I thought, stand, yeah, yeah yeah i think decent i think good i thought i was i was generally you know, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I was much more into the game this year. Um, and, um, you know, I thought the halftime show was wonderful. Um, you know, I, I I found it neither controversial nor terribly, you know, sort of over the top. Or I certainly didn't find it offensive as some people found it. I mean, I, I thought it was good. I thought J-Lo and Shakira were Fantastic. Um, not my music at all, so it, it didn't really resonate with me that. I way. That. I yeah. would have never guessed <laughs> <laughs> that. Right.
0: But see, here's the thing: if you if you found it offensive in any way, then you should have found last year's
1: oh, of offensive. Absolutely. When Adam, I mean, is it
0: Adam Levine that he had? Yeah, his shirt, Adam his shirt? Levine was. Yeah, had a shirt off like, the entire you know, time.
1: The entire time, right? Yeah, the entire time. So, yeah, it was. It was all... all Good
0: family programming right there.
1: There it is. Yep. The NFL bringing it to you. The, the, here's the thing that I don't like is we'll wrap this
0: this section up, but I don't like that they showed the Super Bowl ads before and when we had, we had a group of friends over, people don't watch... I mean, remember back in the day? I mean, I'm dating myself now, but we stopped. Nobody talked during the commercials. They talked during the football game. Mm-hmm. We watched the commercial. We listened, listened to them. But now you've seen most of them already. So the, there's no, there's no. Everybody's. T- I couldn't even, I couldn't even watch them because everybody was talking. Oh, we saw that. We saw that when I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, come on. Well, let's. Super- I mean, that let's gets to view the. Them. Yeah, that gets to the question of what really is a Super Bowl commercial, right? You know, because there's no shortage of people out there in the world writing blog posts about, you know, the the waste of money and how big a deal it is and why are we still doing this in 2020 and blah blah blah, but that's you know we have to recognize that today a super bowl commercial isn't a super bowl commercial it's a campaign that you know basically leads up to the super bowl and leads down from the super bowl and is an activation of of content that you know is you know across every channel right across every channel that's going on and, and they're trying to draw conversation you know they're try- that the entire the entire goal of it is reach um and you know it's it's rare that you have the ability to have that kind of reach in such a f- concentrated yep. Hundred million uh, time frame. Yeah. yeah. Hundred million all at one time. And well, and leading up and leading down, right? I mean, so leading up you can put it on YouTube and call it a Super Bowl ad, and of course people will watch it because of that. It'll get covered in mainstream media. It'll get coverage in not, you know, mainstream media by all the bloggers out there. It'll get covered in social media. And then coming down off of it when the ratings, quote unquote, come in, you get the same you get the same ride. So as a reach exercise these days, it has to be sort of multi-channel. And so that's, you know, it's going to be the way it's going to be. I don't like it though. (laughs) I don't, I don't like it either. I mean, I, I
0: get it. I get the whole thing about my, just, I just, I think that they should ride it afterwards and have it on all those channels, but I'd like to see it debuted special just here. Just just for
1: this occasion. Well, but I'm sure the NFL would as well, right? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, even the
0: NFL's commercial ran weeks before. That that's true. Did, so That's true. Whatever. All right. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Well, there we another go. Another Super well, Bowl in the books. Another year the Browns weren't in the Super Bowl. That's correct,
1: yeah. And so another year the Cowboys weren't in the Super Bowl, and there we go. So Boo. best of luck to our teams Maybe. next Man, year.
0: Man, I'll tell you, a Browns-Cowboys-Super Bowl, we're going. Like we were we will be going, we We will be sitting next to each other from the actual Super Bowl. Yes, we'll be doing a live broadcast that nobody will listen to, but we will have a great time.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, let's move on now to uh, the next segment of our show, which is where Joe and I have picked a few articles from around the news this week to talk about. Um, And we've got a few here, so maybe we can go through these quickly because it was actually a pretty busy news week uh, given everything else going on in the world. Um, And so the first article that we'll talk about is uh, one that comes to us courtesy of digiday.com. And the headline is that publishers are growing audiences by producing less content Um, This being uh, published actually just uh, as we record this just a couple of days ago. Um, And the article starts out by saying increasingly publishers are seeing that less is more when it comes to producing content. Fancy that, that they're just discovering that. Um, Publishers, including The Guardian, News UK's, The Times of London, and Le Monde, have trimmed the number of articles they publish, leading to a growth in audience traffic, higher dwell times, and ultimately more subscribers. Over the last year, The Guardian cut its weekly output by one-third after it detected, by using its real-time analytics tool, OFAN, uh, that no one was reading a huge chunk of the journalism produced by the publisher. Uh, According to Chris Moran, The Guardian's editor of strategic. Strategic projects. The subsequent change in volume led to traffic growth. Uh, in December 2019, The Guardian had 25 million monthly unique users. In the UK, a rise from 23 million in the previous year. And the article then goes on to talk about the same kind of results for Le Monde and the Times of London uh, and basically some analysis of all of that. So what say you, Mr. Polizzi? Is this something that we could have predicted or what's going on here?
0: Well, we, you and I have been talking about this since forever, yeah, and if they had
1: just asked us, we could. If have they just this. asked us, yeah, a couple and, of years ago, yeah.
0: But but the fr- the frustrate. First of all, I love this article. I love it. I can't. It's five and a half stars. I love the whole thing. The problem is that most marketers that you and I talk to still think that more content is better. Which, you know, I get it. You know, when Google uh, really started to catch on fire, I, whatever, twelve years ago, when <laughs> we started to. Throw out our two hundred word blogs all over the place and target every keyword on the planet. It actually did work to have more content. That was a long. It was over a decade ago, but because of that, we've all been tainted, and now we believe that more is better. And it's absolutely not. So I just you know more focus on less content. I'd love to see just you know whoever's listening to this, just not you can do one amazing story a day or one amazing podcast per month and just focus on how to market it how to get more reach for that instead of just spewing out content which is what most brands i see are
1: doing still to this you day. know what is interesting to me about that because it's you're absolutely right um and i can say that having you know i mean we average working with let's call it 30 to 40 brands every year um, on the same thing. We've been doing it for 10 years. Um, so, you know, so you average that over 10 years and you're talking about, you know, we've, we've probably worked with three to 400 different brands around the world. Biggest, really the biggest brands. On the yeah, same the things. biggest yeah, brands in the, the world. Yeah, on the same things. Yeah. What it comes down to is the perception Out there in the world is that the reason that brands produce so much content is because they have so many audiences. They have so many different constituencies that they have to produce content for all of them, which is almost never true. What is almost always true is the number of audiences that they have internally that perceive their needs to be unique. In other words, they have sales, they have marketing, they have demand generation, they have PR and corporate communications. They have all these internal audiences for content that perceive their needs to be unique. And thus, that's the reason they feel like more content is necessary. In other words, the sales guy doesn't like this piece of content as much as he likes another piece of content. So he wants more like that. And what I find is is that once you start to really figure out how to how to sort of put the clamp down on the internal you know what i call the baby birds right the, the the you know clamping down on how much you feed them and figure out how to leverage those things you can actually you can find the commonalities in the external audiences pretty darn quick you know and that's the that's the benefit that a media company has over a brand in terms of the way it you know, sort of governs its content, the, the the media company is, quite frankly, only concerned about the external audience and how much content is getting consumed because that's what drives the business. The 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 brand creating content is too, I believe, you know, myopically focused on the internal audiences and their needs for content to do their jobs that they actually feel like more content is necessary. And it's not, of course.
0: Well, I think it's also You're right. I think it's also the fact that there's this belief with marketers that we have to have some type of a specific content plan and programming for every channel that's out there. Right. That's which exactly is not right. true. Which is that's right. Which is better to say, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many TikTok conversations that you've gotten into lately. And by the way, you know, my my son loves TikTok. That's that's his favorite channel. But you don't need. You know, right. you you might be able to say, you know, we don't need to be on TikTok. We could just not. That's right. We don't have to create specific content every day and a cute little picture on Instagram. We don't have to do that. Some of these could just be listening channels. Some of them just could be response channels and customer service channels. You don't have to create original content for each of these things. And that's where, you know, if you get to a point where you're awesome at all of it, that's fantastic. That's Perfectly fine, but I'd love to see people scale back and say, you know what, this is one, this is the channel that's our email newsletter for you. That's starting to get us traction. Let's just not throw out a piece of crap. Let's put out something that's actually good, and maybe we'll take some of the resources from other areas that's absolutely not getting any traction, and focus on doing something, at least one thing, great, instead of all this mediocre stuff that's out
1: there. It's it's such a good point. I mean. I will tell you this, the other thing that I have come to learn after doing this as many as many years as as we have, which is if you look at, you know, all the quote unquote success stories, the case studies that you see at every conference or at every, you know, anything with content marketing and they're the ones that are constantly brought up, you know, the Red Bulls and Kraft and GE and all of the sort of usual suspects of great examples of content marketing. I will tell you, because I've spoken to the people who ran those programs not one of them said, hey, let's try and put content out, this content out on every channel and see which one our audience resonates with the most and figure out how to do that. No, what they did was they said, we're going to put our content on this channel and like, a, you know, and build a light that all the moths gr- gather around. Right, they built a center of gravity that, quite frankly, attracted the audience, not the other way. Not trying to fi- figure out where they should go, you know, where all their audiences were, and try and build something on all of those places. So, it's you know, the idea of 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 following your audience to every channel that you that you can possibly think of is is you know not going to be terribly productive.
0: Well, and it's saying no. I I actually I don't want to say the name of the brand because I don't know if they want this out there, but I talked to. One of those brands that are, that, we would, that we would all call very successful at content marketing. and they said that they're really good at saying no to certain things that they yep. know what they're good at, they know what they're not good at. If they, they, they would absolutely before it takes so much for them to launch something new because they're so focused on being great at these other areas. And that, yep. that, I think that's the thing where, you know, you get the CEO of a company or a CMO saying, hey, man, TikTok's the coolest thing. We've got an audience of kids there. Let's go do it. Right. Somebody go dance. Somebody, <laughs> hey, you in accounting and you in finance, let's do a little dance and let's put up a 15-second thing on, on TikTok. It'll be great.
1: Oh, my God, a TikTok strategy. That's what we need. We need a TikTok strategy.
0: Yeah, like yeah. I'd rather do a MySpace. I'd rather do a MySpace and 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 guy, all the create. Let's yeah, let's let's focus on a MySpace strategy before (laughs) we do any (laughs) TikToking.
1: All right. Well, all right. So let's move so, on to the next good. story, shall we, right. so we can get through these because there's a, there's a there's a bunch of good ones here. So the next one that we're going to cover here uh, is from uh, TheHill.com, which seems odd to be pulling a marketing uh, article or content article from. But yes, indeed, the headline is Warren Buffett. Exits the newspaper uh, industry. Uh, big hat tip here, by the way, to listener James Gardner who sent this over in an email um, and uh, and let us know about uh, this wonderful article here. And it opens up by saying billionaire investor Warren Buffett is selling his newspaper business for 140 million dollars, less than a decade after spending more than 200 million to acquire dozens of daily and weekly publications. Buffett's media unit is being sold to Lee Enterprises, headquartered in Davenport, Iowa. The portfolio includes news Newspapers such as the Richmond Times-Dispatch, the Buffalo News, and his hometown paper in Nebraska, the Omaha World-Herald. As Buffett said, we had zero interest in selling the group to anyone else for one simple reason. We believe that Lee is best positioned to manage through the industry's challenges, said Buffett. So what do you think about this, Mr. Polizzi? Is is this a continuation of our ongoing saga of local newspapers?
0: Uh, I actually don't think so. Um, I think what this is is a couple things. He did sell this as a loss, but at the same time, he's financing the deal.
1: right. <laughs> it exactly. actually
0: works out really well because he because Berkshire Hathaway is much better at uh, the financial side of the business and uh, instead of, let's say the newspaper business. So they gave the newspaper business. it took a little bit of a loss on that. Uh, and now they're financing the whole, de- whole deal. And I think, from what I could tell from the, the few numbers I looked at, it's probably going to work out really well for Mr. Warren Buffett. So don't you worry about him. He's going to be able to eat his cereal every morning. So that aside, I don't think Warren Buffett, in this case, had the patience to wait through the cycle to make sure these, these brands, which are not newspaper companies, they're brands, they're media brands, come out okay. And it's just funny, this just came out a couple hours ago. I looked at the New York Times latest quarterly results. Uh, they're paid, paid digital only up 31% from last quarter. 31%. The, the stock today is taken off. It's up like 8% or 10% or something like that. Their sales have grown, increased, uh, their revenue's up, profits up. Uh, and of course, ad revenue is down a little bit, but Uh, But the subscription revenue is just going gangbusters. Now, New York Times is a premium, if you want a quote-unquote newspaper brand. They've got a lot. They already worked out a lot of their problems. These small newspapers haven't done that yet. Most of them haven't made the serious jump to the paid digital model yet like the New York Times have. So they're still under a metamorphosis. It's still under a change. I don't blame Warren Buffett for giving it to a company and giving control over to a company that say, hey, we're not focused on this as much as you are. You go take it. You do what you you do what you need to do with it because from what I can tell, the brands in this portfolio still have quite a few years of pain ahead before they make that turn that New York Times already did.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, to me, this is once again just evidence of Warren Buffett's sheer genius. I mean, uh, if you look at what he did here, which was... He didn't get out of the newspaper business. What he did was, is he said, I'm getting out of the management of the newspaper business. That's right. That's right. He basically said, hey, here's a guy who can run this business way better than we can. I'm actually going to give him this company, and I'm going to give him a loan to actually go run it better, to actually give him the capital that he's going to need in order to make these things successful. So, over the long-tall… Yeah, our return, our risk on return just went way down because instead of basically being in a in a management business, we're now in the finance business, which is, of course, much better for us anyway. So, yeah, maybe we down, you know, graded our ultimate return, but it's now a return. And as I, I, I love the very comment at the end, even if it doesn't work out, he said, we bought all the papers at a reasonable price. It's not a great economic consequence to Berkshire
0: either was, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> either
1: it's like let's be really clear here. As he brushes forty million yeah, brushes. dollars, you know the sixty million bucks that he chances to lose here, you know, which is where he was underwater with this unit. Um, you know, the, the the amount of money that he is is is, is could lose here is. The equivalent of us losing some pocket change. Yeah. Right?
0: You he like I mean? brushes <laughs> Lint off his shoulder. That's, that's right. That's so, exactly what that but you know what I you know what I think you could make from this? Because of that whole deal and how they are financing this deal, you could make the case that he's more of a believer. Absolutely. You could make the case that he cares deeply about this. That's absolutely. exactly right. So I think that I think they got the story wrong.
1: Yep. They ah. absolutely They absolutely got the story wrong, which is that they that he cares deeply about the newspaper business. And so he said, rather than us screwing it up, we're giving it to someone. Not only we're giving it to someone who can master it, we're actually giving them a loan and financing the business. So, you know, he basically put an investment. He's investing. He
0: must. Yeah, he must believe in it. Yeah, so should should have said Buffett sells newspapers, bigger believer in newspaper media than ever before.
1: That's right. That's right. But
0: they didn't. They they didn't. Didn't. That's why we're here. That's why, That's why we're, why we're
1: here, here is to read through all of the weirdness, and <laughs> we'll get tell you it. what the story <laughs> is. <laughs> Listen <laughs> to us. We'll tell you what to think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to our next story here quickly, which is another really interesting one in the world of content. Um, and also, by the way, hat tip to James Gardner for sending this one over as well. Um, Although I did see this one in my uh, in my in my stream and, and had had thought to talk about it, it comes to us from Vox um, and their Recode uh, uh, blog, which is uh, the headline here: A casino company is buying Barstool Sports, four hundred and fifty million dollar deal. Uh, Penn National Gaming says the article is buying the online publisher, which can thank sports betting and the Supreme Court for the deal. A media company has become a sports betting company. The owner of Barstool Sports has agreed to sell the popular and controversial digital sports publisher to Penn National Gaming, a regional gambling operator. The deal values Barstool, which has its roots as a rowdy Boston sports blog founded in 2003 at an eye-popping $450 million. Uh, The article goes on to sort of give the details of the deal. Um, This, to me, is fascinating, Joe, because it's just yet another feather in the acquisition cap of, here we go, a, a company buying a media company to get what? Reach and frequency to a addressable audience.
0: It's, there's a line in here that says, a media company has become a sports betting company. Where have we heard this kind of thing before? where I we not a, a beverage company has become a media company and vice right. versa. We're going to hear more and more of these things. I have a couple of takes on it. I guess my biggest one is... Another loss for companies like Under Armour, Nike, Adidas or Adidas, depending on where you're coming from, Dick's, uh, Sporting Goods, where they are not looking at this kind of opportunity. Uh, this gaming company obviously is. There's a natural fit with sports betting because the the ringer is a or our barstool is a um, has a lot of sports betting advertisers already. So that from that standpoint, it makes sense, but Boy, I, I, I still am surprised more of these deals aren't going down. And I think that if, if the chief marketing officers and the financial officers of companies like Under Armour, Nike, Adidas, um, they, they have to start thinking about these things because they're going to start happening really quickly. Like we're, It's going to be a year or two years from now where these deals are just going to go down like crazy and everybody's going to talk about it like it's a brand new thing. But here we are. We're seeing it. Uh, yeah, there's great opportunities in this, and, and I give them credit. This is this is going to be a huge deal.
1: Oh, and, and not only is it a deal. I mean, one of my favorite lines from this article uh, is 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 basically the casino, um, which apparently runs low profile casinos. Uh, you know, basically it has the Tropicana in Las Vegas and a number of others around the U.S. Um, basically believes that it can use the media and the barstool brand. To do what? Bring traffic to the casinos and an online betting app that it wants to launch. So it's a hedge for them to be able to say, hey, listen, we're going to we're just going to reach a new audience here uh, and, and an audience, by the way, and here's the here's the rub for me where we get to pull in the first party data. And use all that first-party data to understand what's resonating with these audiences, what they care about, where you know which ones would rather come to a casino versus online betting versus you know building their most uh, most engaged audiences, which they can offer special deals to for trips that on you know that combine the online with the physical. There's just there's so much opportunity here to use this audience. Um, and give them better experiences, but also leverage it for much, you know, more relevant products and services that they can do. It's just, it's such a smart investment. Um, and you're absolutely right. I, there's going to come some tipping point where people go, Oh, right. This is a good idea. We should probably do this and we're going to see a lot more of it. And
0: Yeah. I wonder if the tipping point are all the privacy laws that are starting. I mean, we've, well, I, we've talked I, about that's we, what pre- we think, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: you'll you'll hear about that, in, you know, a, a little bit um, uh, when I when uh, when we when we talk about uh, uh, well, actually, it's, I'm saving it for next week, but or the next show, but but the but yeah, it's it's exactly that, right? All of these privacy laws are taking away the third party data, like we talked about in the last show. This is a huge opportunity for for these companies to get into the first party data business. Only a matter of time, my friend. Yeah. All right. And and it's yesterday, it seems. Exactly. And well, one other quick one that we will cover here uh, before we get to uh, our wonderful sponsor here, which of course, but it's another acquisition because we just felt like we wanted to cover it. And it was pretty big news, especially again, for those in the sports. You see what we did here with the whole thing? Anyway, um, Spotify acquires The Ringer as part of a podcast expansion. Um, And then, of course, they put the, you know, warning, but first quarter financial outlook raises concerns about the audio streamers expected return to profitability. But it opens up by saying Spotify technology acquired the ringer in bid to further beyond go beyond music and capture more podcast growth. Uh, and it goes on to then talk a little bit about Spotify's uh, results uh, of their of their quarterly earnings, um, but basically talking about the Ringer and of course Bill Simmons and and his shows that come with that. Um, and so, what did you think? You're a sports fan. Yeah, I know you're a Bill Simmons fan. What what did you think about this acquisition?
0: Uh, again, this is when when you have Spotify competing with Apple, competing with Amazon. I mean, they're all looking for good original programming. They're, I mean. Their acquisition teams must be crazy for all these companies buying oh, all for this. Sure. I mean, they're buying it's, it's not just audio content, right? It's every type of content that they're going because they have these channels and they have these membership programs. Disney Plus. Now, Disney has their own content, but all these other ones don't. And I think that this move by Spotify is brilliant because I think that this is exactly what Sirius XM did with Howard Stern. Yeah. And 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 basically, you could argue this, but you could say that Howard Stern saved Sirius. Yeah, you could say you could could say that this move by Spotify is going to take them into that leadership position, which they're so desperate to get to into podcasting Spotify. Uh,
1: It's 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 it it couldn't be more accurate. Right. I mean, you can say, look, you can say that Howard Stern saved Sirius XM. You can say that House of Cards is what really drove Netflix to be Netflix. You can say, you know, you can look at, at at other tentpole shows like Game of Thrones for for HBO. Um, These are streaming and, you know, walled gardens of media that are now out actively acquiring uh, original content and, and talent to be able to offer up original content instead of licensed content that you know, ultimately is so thin in margins. The original content margin is incredibly huge and licensed content is incredibly thin. And so every one of these, from Disney to Netflix to, to Time Warner to, you know, Spotify to any any original network that you can think of is going to be doing exactly this on acquisition binge to go get original content. So I I they have to do this. It's not even that it's a good deal. They have to they have to do this in order to survive.
0: Well I think the point is that if you read a book like let's say uh, Killing Marketing you would you would go you would go through and and instead of what most brands do is they organically create all this they oh that's a great idea let's go do it we'll create it we'll get going it'll take some time all that put the energy into it or you could just go out and buy it. And these and Spot, a company like Spotify is smart enough to say well is, they they could have gone and launched launched this found a character done it organically but they said Bill Simmons is right there it has got the whole thing. It's exactly what we need. Let's just go buy it. And you don't have to be Spotify to do that. You could be any company in any small industry. And we've seen deals happen for less than six figures in a lot of cases. And you can buy a really good media property, especially distressed media assets right now. And I don't think a lot of people are looking at that.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. So there you go. Well, I'm not distressed. We're not a distressed media asset. (laughs) And the reason we're not a distressed media asset is because we have a lovely and wonderful sponsor to talk about.
0: That's exactly right, Robert. Content (laughs) Tech Summit. Is happening again in sunny San Diego. San Diego, April twentieth to 22nd. <laughs> I
1: almost did I almost did. I almost <laughs> I almost did it, but I didn't do it. The anchor man joke. I, almost I know did. you I probably should full Ron Burgundy there, but you I'm not gonna do
0: probably it. Probably shouldn't. Register now at contenttechsummit.com uh, to get the lowest rates that you possibly can. And even better, we have our own coupon code now, which is kinda awesome. So That's if good. you if you type in P N R, the letter N. P-N-R-100, you get $100 off your registration. So make sure you go to contenttechsummit.com and type in that coupon code so we get a little credit and love because you know we like to be thinking that we're doing something good in the world and this would be something good. You know, what I love about this event, I've always loved about this event, even when it was Intelligent Content Conference, and then you guys did a great job moving it over to Content Tech. There are so many questions about enterprise brands, about what we do with content and technology. It's a huge, huge issue. We're all about making better customer experiences. And there's frankly just a lot of marketers out there that are having trouble with the whole content tech mix. And that's what content tech, do. see how I did that? That's, yep. how, see how, that's what content tech does. So it's San Diego, April 20th, to 22nd, 2020. Uh, some great keynote speakers, including Mr. Robert Rose. And I think you're hosting it. Are you hosting it? I am
1: indeed. You're I, hosting I it. I would indeed be hosting it. Yes. You're
0: hosting it. So that's even better. I mean, if you like Robert, it's even better.
1: (laughs) So go to... (laughs) You got a problem. Yeah.
0: So go to contenttechsummit.com. Get your handy-dandy coupon code PNR100, and we'll hope to see you there.
1: Fantastic. All right, then, ladies and gentlemen. It is now time for our last segment of the show, which, of course, is our rants and rave section when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like tearing up our scripts or makes us feel like we're giddy and happy and all of that. Um, and let's see, we both have raves uh, this week. That's so a it's, change. It's, oh, yeah, it's, well, it's continuing on. I mean, we had a couple of shows there that were kind of downer cranky. cranky shows, cranky Joe shows. Oh,
0: that's um, right. I didn't take crankyjoe.com out. I yeah. probably should have.
1: And so um, we did, but, but this has been a, a little bit of an uplifting show. So I'm glad we both have raves. You want to go first? You want me to go? Yeah, first?
0: I'll, I'm happy to go first. I'm happy. Right. to
1: go. So I'm reading this book called, principles
0: by ray dalio do you know who ray dalio is oh, of course is? i do yes okay of course. a lot of people don't know he's one of the richest men in the world he's worth about 20 million if you look at uh, forbes 20 billion uh, yeah billion. Tw- i'm sorry did i say million 20 yeah, yeah. billion i'm sorry yeah. 20 20 million that's like you know that's like that change <laughs> that that's up. that's like you <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez you better stop that so ray 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 dalio worth 20 billion with a b uh, and he started an investment company, long time ago, called uh, Bridgewater Associates. Now, I love the book in the beginning. Of course, he's got some amazing principles in there, so it's, it's really a, it's kind of a nice goal-setting book, kind of get your life right book, but he talks about the history of how he built Bridgewater Associates, and I didn't know that he went bankrupt, that he made some uh, terrible bets to start with, but this is really interesting. I'm gonna read this. This is um, in the beginning of the book, And he talks about how he really got started and how they started to build Bridgewater Associates, the business. I'm going to read this book. It's really important. It says, in the late 1970s, I began sending my observations, financial observations, about the markets to clients via telex. The genesis of these daily observations, that's what they were called, uh, about grains and livestock and meats and economy and the financial markets were pretty simple. While our primary business was in managing risk exposures, our clients also called to pick my brain about the markets. Ta- <clears throat> taking those calls became time consuming, so I decided it would be more efficient to write down my thoughts every day so others could understand my logic and help improve it. It was a good discipline since it forced me to research and reflect every day. It also became a key channel of communication for our business. Today, almost 40 years and 10,000 publications later, our daily observations are read, reflected on, and argued about by clients and policymakers around the world. I'm still writing them, along with others at Bridgewater, and I expect to continue to write them until people don't care to read them or I die. The reason why I wanted to read that part, besides the fact that it's a content marketing story, is he goes on throughout the book robert and talks about how he got this interview and he was on this television show and he got this call by a client because they read daily observations yep it's just beautiful you can if you read the first 50 pages you will come to realize that bridgewater associates is one of the largest investment firms in the world because of their daily observations newsletter yeah so
1: yeah, it's a it's a it's a great it's a great story. And others may also recognize uh, Dalio from uh, his uh, TED talk that he did. He wrote oh. another he wrote another book about the hyper transparency of his company of Bridgewater. Yep. Where and how they conduct meetings and how they there's no secrets. Everything is open. There you know every single meeting is recorded and and available to everybody in the company and. It's, it's this hyper transparency idea. And, you know, some people have said, eh, I'm not sure that really works, but others have been like, swear by it. So fantastic. I, I can't wait to get this book.
0: I, no, it's I, on that I, one. It's really interesting. I didn't know this, uh, I didn't see the tech talk beforehand. But he talks about how if somebody makes a mistake in their organization, if they if as soon as they realize they made a mistake, if they documented, say why they think it happened and take responsibility for it, they never get in trouble. That's right. But if they wait and don't tell anybody, they're in deep doo doo. So yeah.
1: well, that's exactly it's, it, right? Yeah. I mean that's that's how you that's how you move in a very agile way. That's how you it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom there for sure.
0: So, anyways, I recommend the book. I'm still right. not I'm not, still not through the whole thing, but it is 600 pages long, so I'm <laughs> making my making my way through. But making I just love the whole content marketing. You know, one of, one of the older content marketing success stories, I think, yeah. that you could talk about.
1: Absolutely, so. and absolutely. you have a
0: couple of raves, and I want. to I do, to hear I them. do.
1: I have a yeah, I have a couple of raves here. The first um, rave is uh, uh, something that I talked a little bit about on uh, on my other show um, in the weekly wrap, and, and um, it's this thing that it's a trend that I'm going to be starting to write a lot more about, which I think is just uh, really, truly important for us as content practitioners, for sure. Um, It's from Media Post, and it's an opinion piece. um, And it's very short. It's a really quick read, but it's basically, I think, another canary in the coal mine or something like that. It's basically the headline, content activism can help brands shape a positive future. And it's an article basically talking about how you know he he doesn't he does actually call it content marketing in the book or in this article, but he basically says that brands are now trying to use as we all have seen this right purpose and purpose driven initiatives and social corporate responsibility and get behind this idea because you know young people especially are aligning with brands that have these social purposes et cetera et cetera and and, and all that's wonderful and he says that you know having a content marketing approach around these things. Um, is ultimately something interesting to explore. And he uses an example of the Barilla Center for Food and Nutrition, um, which is a food company, of course. And they launched this, you know, sort of uh, educational uh, thing to talk about the over-exploitation of natural resources and how to create sustainable foods and all that stuff around the world. And it's sort of this um, wonderful initiative. And I think that's great and wonderful. And I think that's exactly where we're going. And I think it's a step beyond that. And this is what I want to sort of explore further and why I wanted to rave about this so much is because I think there's this opportunity, and we've talked about it on this show, where the media, the content itself can be a social corporate responsibility initiative by brands, right? And we talked about a brand, you know, instead of sponsoring the local sports stadium to actually buy a local newspaper or to actually set up a foundation that launches a magazine or launches a school or creates media and content that actually educates not for the purposes of creating greater brand awareness or creating better leads or better you know, funnel or customer satisfaction, but rather to just simply provide a community service. And I think there's uh, something to that. So I wanted to rave about this article. And of course, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, And the second thing very quickly is a book that I've just been reading here that I wanted to really recommend to everybody. Um, It's called A Sense of Urgency by uh, John Cotter. Um, And John Cotter is somebody I've been sort of beginning to lean into quite a bit more, um, certainly as I've been working with more and more brands on change management initiatives and how change actually really happens in business rather than sort of how we think it happens. And his book here. John Cotter developed this whole process framework for how change management should occur in large enterprises. And one of his, the very first step is this idea of sense of urgency. And it's so important that he actually wrote a whole book on just that one step. And so the book is fantastic because what ends up happening is, is that as you're, you know, you, you want to... Put some change management, whether it's implementing some big technology or a content marketing initiative or content strategy or something that's going to change the way people do their job. You go out and you Google it and you'll see everything from step one, get buy-in from socialize it, you know, go get early adopters and then expand. And what Cotter talks about in this book as the more important first step that never gets done is creating this sense of urgency. And he's really definitive about it. It's not like panic. It's not like running around making everybody's hair on fire. It's not inducing fear. It's not your urgency. It's creating a sense of urgency, a sense of adventure, a sense of adventure uh, you know, with everybody so that everybody gets aligned around this opportunity. The urgency is the opportunity, not necessarily a sense of failure if we don't get it done and creating that urgency, which is ultimately content, storytelling, and really getting people to uh, to listen to that is something that's really resonating with me and wanted to just recommend it for those who are trying to do the same in their business. I think it's just a great book.
0: I love good book recommendations. I'm putting yeah. it on my list.
1: Yeah. It's a really fun one. It's a quick read too. It's not, it's not a hard read. It's, it's, really, it's really quick read. It's like Captain Underpants. Quick, yeah, absolutely. Kind of Captain Underpants about? and Sense of Urgency. I think those are the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read to you by Kyle, the creator. <laughs> Where are you this week, my friend?
0: Oh, I am. Uh, I'm in town this week, actually. I'm still, you know, we've got, we're doing a great job with our pre-order campaign for uh, The Will to Die and uh, getting ready for the big uh, launch on three, two, And it's funny because I'll be in the Bay Area for the uh, content meetup in uh, actually on launch day on, on March 2nd so wow. I'm, I'm looking right. forward to yeah they actually want me to come out and talk about content marketing and not about the book. I can't believe that that they don't want yeah, to talk wow. about my fiction yeah. book but selfish selfish I'm selfish. gonna selfish I'm gonna talk about it I'm, that's <laughs> a, I'm gonna say look I'll talk to you about content marketing but let's talk about a little book I wrote. So that's anyway. <laughs> tough. And, uh, and you, uh, you're in town this week. I this, am right? home. Yeah, this is yeah.
1: a weird. Uh, it's a weird sense of um, happiness, actually. Where I'm actually home for the next few weeks. Um, nice. I'm sure that may change as travel starts to uh, ramp up here with clients. But as it stands now, there's some client work I'm doing locally. Yeah, I'm here for a couple of weeks, um, which I'm home and getting a lot of work done, getting a lot of writing done. Um, you know, trying to update my website. I do some you know stuff that I rarely get the chance to do. So, uh, and of course, getting to record this. So, um, yeah, I'm home. Awesome, it's good to be home, right? It absolutely is, absolutely is. Especially as I mentioned at the top of the show, at this time of year where it's really nice weather, so I get out and do a little hiking as well. Get outside. Oh, that's uh, that's. I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to slip on my
0: butt on the ice. That's
1: what I'm gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> <Not to do. laughs> well, as Joe slips on his butt, folks, and I get out into the sunshine, that is it. We're signing off. Uh, and if you like this episode, episode number 227, that's right, 227, won't you subscribe, resubscribe, get yourself another subscription. You know, five or six subscriptions, I think, is probably the right number that you need. Um, you know, just buy yourself another iPhone. Just get get more iPhones, get more subscriptions, um, and tell your friends to do the same. Uh, we really want to drive up our subscriptions, and of course, review us. Let us know what you think of the show on your favorite podcatching application. Uh, we need you story ideas. Uh, we want those story ideas. Hashtag us up at uh, at uh, uh, this old marketing. Hashtag this old marketing, and and get us uh, get us some story ideas because just like James Gardner did. We can get your story and talk about it on the air. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Joe, where are gay people going to find you these days? I mean, Uh, where you're home. I mean, when you're at home at ICE, can they find you?
0: Yes, I am findable. Yes, uh, JoePulizzi.com, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I. And I have a shiny newsletter as well, just like you do. So if you'd like my shiny every other week newsletter, you can go to JoePulizzi.com and get it. And I believe you have a shiny newsletter.
1: Correct? We do have it. We have a shiny new newsletter that'll Ooh. be starting up uh, in the next week or so, and it'll be weekly. It'll be a weekly newsletter that covers. Oh, you all had to the want things. up me on that. Uh, nice. Absolutely, one floor higher in the hotel, and Well oh, you'll never,
0: you'll <laughs> never let that let that go, will you, Jace?
1: and that's at of course www.contentadvisory.net everything we talked about ladies and gentlemen will of course be in the show notes that we will publish uh, along with our show post and until a couple of weeks from now remember everybody it is your story to tell tell it well see you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing